Hey, I'm Kevin Kaufman. I'm joined with Fred Weaver. We are your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast. Where five days a week you can get great real estate content. On Mondays, Kevin interviews a top rock star in the real estate space. Every Tuesday, we bring you industry headlines where we look back on the last seven days of news in real estate. Wednesdays and Fridays is iMinute where we talk about iBuyers in the real estate space. And Thursday, we bring you a weekly business tip. So listen to us anywhere podcasts can be listened to. You can watch most of these podcasts video form on YouTube and tune in five days a week. And make sure you connect with us on Facebook as well as visit kevinandfred.com and you can check out our referral guarantee, right Kevin? kevinandfred.com forward slash guarantee. We'd love to receive your real estate referrals here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk with you soon. Hey guys, Kevin here. I think you're going to like today's episode. My guests are Monica Foster and Christopher Dean. They are a married couple who also run a real estate business, massive business, by the way, doing about $90 million a year in production with just a team of four agents besides Monica, the rainmaker. Chris, her husband, is the behind-the-scenes guy, quite literally worked for NASA. Rocket scientist jokes can be inserted now. Uh, but Monica is awesome. She has grown this business in a big way. You'll be able to tell kind of the uh, kind of front of the house, back of the house uh, combination that they have. What intrigues me most about their business is they're not from Houston. They didn't grow up in Houston. They don't have a big, you know, 30, 40 year sphere uh, in Houston. They moved there not that long ago and restarted their business. Monica was still really a newer agent when they moved to Houston and she started over and has now grown this really massive business. Uh, and Christopher has joined her full time now in the last couple of years. So I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. Sit back, relax, uh, shoot me any messages, leave us reviews, let us know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback and we will see you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right. Next level podcast listeners. We're back. And today joined by my friends, Monica and Chris out of Houston. How are you guys doing today? Great. We're doing well. Awesome. Well, I, I'm stoked. We finally got the chance to do this. Um, you know, one of the reasons I love, I, I told you about this podcast, what I love doing with this podcast is just kind of dissecting and learning from other agents around the country, what they're doing to run a big business, uh, what they're doing that makes their business and lives fulfilled. And you guys are, are people that have become friends uh, over the last year or so. And I've got to learn a little bit about your business and definitely admire it. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of chat a little bit about your story because you guys have a unique one for sure. Uh, and just kind of share that with our listeners today. Awesome. So first, why don't we do this? Monica, tell us a little bit about the team. Like give us the overall, what does 2019 look like for you? Um, both like production standpoint, but also um, like who's on the team besides the two of you guys and what do you guys do? So I can tell you who's on the team, but I honestly have not followed the production this year. It's been a whirlwind. So Chris is going to have to speak on that. Um, but right now, uh, our team consists of me as the team leader. And then we've got four buyers agents or team members. Uh, we've got, what are three of them now licensed assistants or four? Three. <laughs> don't even know. Three licensed assistants and two unlicensed assistants. And those assistants wear different hats and, and do different things on the team. Yeah, they, they have primary functions like three of them are ISAs and three of them are transaction coordinators. But they also, uh, we also self-direct them. So many of them do both roles as needed. 
So as the business changes or throughout the year, if I need more TC support, one of them can jump in over there. If we have like next month with busy lead call month, I can shift one over there and take more lead calls. Um, to answer Monarch Express and production, we're about on track the same as last year, maybe a little lower, but we're still looking at close to the 90 million mark. Yeah, I like how you say that as if as if it's like no big deal or something to be ashamed about. Like, guys, it's still 90, like failure. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's obviously that's the achiever, the overachiever in, in both of you. Right. And, and quite frankly, for a lot of us who listen, but I mean, the reality is that's a really big business. And I think the unique part of your story in your business, which I want to make sure we dive into today is um, while you're in Houston now, you, you haven't, it's not like you've lived in Houston your whole life. You haven't been a Houston area realtor for the last 30 some odd years, like our buddy, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, you built, <laughs> you've built a really massive business in, in a relatively short period of time. Um, how, let's start with like, when did you get into real estate originally and tell me about that part and then we'll talk about moving to Houston. So I started in real estate in October of 2004 in the Dallas area. Um, originally I didn't get into it to make a career of it. Chris and I, honestly, we were still dating. We talked about flipping and that's why I got into it and, and that never panned out. And so about two and a half or, th or three years in, he said, Hey, I took a position with NASA and we're moving and we had just been married for a year. And so I was like, uh, okay. So here we are. Um, you know, he, yeah. He kind of had to jump in. I think he probably jumped in around 2009 to help me grow my business. I don't remember what the catalyst was for that. I know something had happened and Chris said, I'm, I'm going to start taking over and helping here. I, I just don't remember. I, what I that can was. think if I remember correctly, you know, she started over in 2008 and did no soul, which is a big deal. But I remember seeing like little small bills for Google pay per click. And I remember asking, I was like, what are these, what are these bills? I mean, we're talking like some were like a dollar 30. And what? so I was like, they were really low amounts. I remember that. And I'm going, I'm like, are you, what are you doing here? And she was running the own pay-per-click campaign. I said, okay, that's going to stop. Monica. Yeah, that, that's going to stop. I'm going to take that over. And so I took over the pay-per-click and that was my primary role for, I don't know, several years until we decided that she got to a level in the business that she needed an assistant and we needed to hire agents. And when that kind of happened, I kind of took on more of a, I don't know, managerial role. Maybe I hate the word management. I like leadership much better, but you know, she couldn't do everything and manage all the agents. So I started doing that. And as it grew, I took on more and more of all of that, like signs, the marketing, <laughs> all the fun stuff, right? So, hold, hold on, I'd like to back yeah. up for a second, guys, because like so, as if this is like a normal conversation in everyone's household. Hey, I took a job at NASA. So, like, <laughs> like first of all, okay, Chris, what's what? What is what is the deal there? So, Monica is like selling homes, and you guys are talking about flipping homes, and then you take a job at NASA. That I, I'm guessing that doesn't happen every day. Tell me about like how long did you work in NASA, and and when did you actually make the transition out into the real estate business with Monica? It's a, uh, it's a little bit of a tossy turvy story because I, um, well, how it happened is I had worked for actually the air force in Cape Canaveral, which is NASA's the joint base. And I had friends there that I worked with and we had all gone off on to private companies, the same ones. And one of them was in Dallas and it was a startup 
and one of my friends left earlier than me and I stayed there longer than I should have. And come around 2006, I think I went seven months without a paycheck. So I was like, I've got to do something different. And my buddy had already moved from Florida to Houston to work for a NASA contract. So he just said, Hey, I've got a NASA contract. It's a government contract. You know what that's like. I'm like, I don't care. I need something. And so I went down there for a year actually before we even moved. I drove back and forth every weekend to Dallas um, just to make sure it was going to be real and, and a good fit. And so after the year, that's when I said, yeah, I'm kind of going to stay here. So um, I moved her down and that's kind of how it played out just because, I mean, not that there, it's a bad job, but just where my career was up there as in no pay and where her real estate career it hadn't her real She did pretty well, but it hadn't really taken off in South of I Dallas. I was only doing 26 deals a year. It yeah. It wasn't, wasn't anything exciting. Yeah. It wasn't as big, <laughs> a huge risk. And we weren't in the, we weren't in the North part of Dallas where there's booming like crazy. So we just took a real chance coming down here and starting over. And I remember I had no clue even in 2010, when we had our first six figure year, I had no idea that, I mean, we would even get to that. And then eight years after we moved here, we became number one in the whole area here, Clear Lake, Greater Clear Lake and Pearland. So, I mean, I look back and go, wow, I never would have even guessed that wow. we would have gotten to that, especially in such a short time. Yeah. Um, so, but I worked at NASA the whole time I was doing both. And so after 11 years, I guess a year and a half ago, Roughly, actually, almost, it's almost two, two years, years ago, almost two years, I left NASA um, basically because I was doing contract work for the company, not cool government work anymore. And it just got to be too much having two laptops everywhere I went. Um, so I just had to put the NASA government laptop away and just focus on our business here. And I'm glad we did because, you know, the switch to EXP took all my effort for two months. I don't know how I would have made that switch with another job. So that's yeah, how that well, when you guys have a business the size of yours, making a move uh, of any magnitude like that is, I mean, that's, that's a big undertaking. Um, Monica, l let me ask you this. So going into Houston, right? So a town that you didn't grow up in, and now here we are, fast forward, you guys have built this really amazing business. Um, what was that like starting over with no sphere? I mean, did you, was that scary at all? Like, how did you approach that? So I... When I moved here in August of 2007. 2007. My kids had to start school. So I finally moved here and I took six months off. Like I told myself, there's no way that I can work when I don't even know how to maneuver the streets. I mean, this GPS wasn't really a huge thing back then. <laughs> you know, you had the old map and you're sitting here trying to figure out where you're going. Maps, so yeah. yeah. So I took those six months off. And just said, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can about this area, the history of it, the streets, try to get lost and find my way back. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what that looked like is, you know, I, I didn't officially start working here until the end of January, 2008. Um, and, and, and I had a decent year that year for someone who knew no one. I, I think I still closed 11 deals, which is not horrible. Um, but that's, it just, again, it, it, I, my fear that first year was that people could see through the fact that I wasn't from the area. So I had to learn everything I could just stupid, useless trivia about the area. So that if somebody asked me questions, I could answer them like I've been here all my life when in fact I have not been. So that's kind of what that looked like. Well, and I think a key thing was too, back then, you know, Google was still 
that was it. You know, it's kind of faded a lot from its uh, prominence sure. now. Um, but back then, you know, there was no Zillow app, and there really—I mean, it was there. Well, I don't even know if the app was there, but Zillow was pretty brand new. There was no mobile app, I don't think. So people were still going online looking for homes and looking for realtors. So because we uh, came from Dallas, where we had to do everything ourselves, because there was no public portal there like there is in Houston. So if people wanted to find a home, they had to go to Google, find an agent who had IDX and stick with that person. So IDX was great for us early on. And when we came here, no one was doing that. No one had their own website. No one had IDX. In fact, I think the company we partnered with was only one of four companies who had any IDX with car at all. Right. And wow. so we were running Google ads and running our web presence when no one else had one. And so at least until I'd say 2010, when they brought it up at the Remax convention for everybody to see, um, they, you know, they brought up Google and they, we kept coming up all the time. I had a class on running uh, AdWords. Yeah. There was, awesome. it, it was in our area. So it was the state convention and it was in Galveston, Galveston and they were showing people how to run ads. And here I am, I keep popping up and popping up. And I know this because people, I didn't go to that session, but people were like, Hey Monica, your name kept coming up on this Google class. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden everybody starts getting into paper click. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> started getting on Google. Um, fortunately, you know, knowing what someone does and being able to implement are two different things, but, um, but that's, that's really how we kind of were able to, I think her production pretty much doubled every year for several years in a row starting out. And it was a lot to do with the, I think the Google and web presence at that time. Um, like I said, it's not as important now as it used to be, but that was a, that was a big thing for us that I, I that think. helped, that helped us get the position and, and gain the momentum that we needed. Because again, when you come into an area that you don't know anyone, how are you supposed to get business? You know, you have yeah. to unfortunately go out and pay for it. So yeah, so that's what we did. It, it takes money. And I will say too, we were one of the first people to do the new review system that they have yes. on HAR. So we got in at the very beginning of that. And reviews are so, so important. Um, we have almost 850 of them here. We, are the, we have more reviews than any other agent in all of the MLS of Houston of 40,000. Okay. So I, I know, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this for our listeners. So HAR is, that's the name of your MLS. HAR MLS, yeah. Houston area realtor MLS. And so yeah, they actually have the a, MLSs around. they have the best reputation. I can tell you that because um, I hear nothing but good things about them. So there's an actual review system built into the MLS there. Called the client experience rating. Yeah. And so every time you close out a transaction, if you choose to participate in the client experience rating, it will send an email to your clients and whether they do the review or the survey or not, that's obviously up to them, but you can't pick and choose who you send it to. You have to send it. It's all or none. So, and they have to be someone you closed, which is nice too. Um, yeah, so you can't get your friends and family to do reviews for you at all. They just, they did add real satisfied as another option, but they had no way to migrate the previous reviews. So there was no way we were going to switch to that because we have so many, so many there, but that, you know, when you get reviews, you have to exploit them as much as possible. So you put them on all your average, everything we did, we even have our review count on our signs. I take the stickers off as they change and put new stickers on the panels all the time as we go up because everything we do, we talk about that review count because that's what people, I mean, rankings are fine and volume is fine, even though that can be misleading, but people, they really resonate with the reviews and how many you have and what people say more than you're ranked number one or you did 90 million. Um, so that's what we kind of choose to focus on because we want to focus on more about what we can do 
for the the client rather than look at me, look at me, look at what I've done, you know, and the reviews are kind of, yeah, they're a little bit, look what I've done. But if you read them, it's also shows what we've done for them because these people are very appreciative of whatever deal that we had. Some have problems, some don't. So that's why I like focusing on that social proof aspect of it. Yeah. Well, it goes to show that you guys are caring for your consumer and that's truthfully where uh, that's to me, that's what it's all about. We can talk about, you know, we obviously we, we talk about rankings and we talk about volume and units and stuff because that's how we think as business people. Um, but truthfully, the one that counts is how do, how does that consumer feel after they interact with us as exactly. a, as a, as a consumer? So let, let me ask you this today. So, you know, how do you go from like what I, I won't say how, cause you, you already talked about the Google uh, pay-per-click and then of course the rankings. What does the lead generation look like now for, I mean, it's much different when you're selling 11 or 22 houses a year to when now you're talking about doing 90 plus million for a couple years now. What, what, what are the lead generation levers that you are focused on, not just today in 2019 when we're recording this, but into 2020 and beyond? I'm going to let Chris speak yeah, to that. That's that his one. wheelhouse. <laughs> well, you know, things have evolved, obviously. You know, IDX, we still have on the website, but it's not nearly as important as it once was. And we still do Google for sellers and we get good results there from our seller ads and they also exploit our reviews again. But because there's no, to date, there really still hasn't been a really good way to, to grab sellers. So they're, sell, they're still going on Google and searching for realtors and, and house value. Um, buyers, on the other hand, they're kind of dead on Google, really. Um, you, you don't really, you get a lot of clicks. You don't really get anybody registering and they're not really that good. They're all going to HAR because HAR has its own app. They're going to Zillow. They're going to realtor.com. So right now, you know, we focus, and this will upset a lot of people, but we focus mostly on Zillow. Um, Zillow has been our biggest lead generator. And as you may be aware, they've made a lot of changes in the last year with Best of Zillow and answering the phone calls. So um, some of the automation that you and I talked about offline that you didn't see was in there to handle those Best of Zillow surveys and make sure the leads get to the right person. Um, we have a lot of lead volume, but we only have a few people dealing with it. Um, most of what Zillow wants is you'd have a really big team so they can make sure someone always gets the call, but it may not be the best agent to work that lead, right. but they honestly don't really care. They just want to make sure someone answers, but we don't do that. We have our ISAs decide that, but we only have three of them and they all work from home and they all, none of them have set schedules. So it's always just like at least two or three on. And so we have a lot of systems in place to make sure that those calls get answered and those leads get assigned and, and a lot of automation behind the scenes once leads do get assigned to make sure that she, Monica, stays in front of them as the team leader because that gets lost sometimes. They just associate with the buyer's agent and they forget who the team is. And also to make sure surveys are done, make sure there's accountability to the agents, make sure the clients are happy. We all, she sends automated emails to check in with them regularly. So we just have a lot of things to, to keep that going because the margins are very, very thin. And for a lot of people that want to get into Zillow, my only advice there is there's really only two things. If you don't go big, you can't win big. You, you can go small like a lot do, and they complain about, oh, I have to spend $1,000, and you get your money back in six months. Um, ours is orders of magnitude higher than that, and, and, but we also generate more. But you've got to have the systems and processes and people in place Otherwise, you might as well just be lighting that money on fire. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of where we, we've been adjusting to that a lot. 
Um, but we have taken this year in 2020, I think with, um, you know, Monica's on the American Dream TV show that we're doing once a month. We're, we're doing a lot of stuff with, I use the word celebrity. I don't, you know, I don't really like that word, but basically trying to get it so that she becomes a more of a household name than yeah. she is now. So, cause a lot of people are chasing like, you know, expires and fizzbos and everybody's fighting for in the same pond. And if you can become well-known enough, you can go above it and you don't have to play in that game. So you don't have to chase expires or fizzbos because if they want to go that route, they go, Oh, who's the lady on the billboard right down the street from me? Or who's the one I've seen on Facebook all the time, all their listings all the time. So we just kind of constantly hammer her same picture from eight years ago or whatever, everywhere we go, everything we do so that the consumer remembers her. So we're really trying to focus on um, brand awareness um, a little more than lead generation because lead generation is kind of, we tweak it, but it's kind of there running. So the brand awareness, can you think of anything else? I mean, that's lead generation anyway. We have other things obviously, but from a lead generation I think that's that covers most of it. I mean, we do a little realtor.com, but that platform's not as good. And not for us. We have about 33 different lead sources, but you know, Google is still important, and then realtor.com is important, and Zillow's the top, and our referrals are about a third. So those are important too. So we do a lot of things to nurture our past clients, um, just to keep them in front of them and hope that they come back. So a lot of stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a lot of moving parts. Monica, let me ask you this. Like, so as your business has grown and evolved, like how, what do you find yourself doing now? Like, what would you say is your job today? Uh, and which I'm sure is much different than even three or four years ago because you, your business has grown so big. My primary focus right now, and it has been actually since I formed the team is really working most of the listings. Um, when I, the year before I formed the team. So I think we formed the team in what, 2012? Yeah. In 2012, I had told myself if I got to 75 transactions that year that I really needed to bring on a buyer's agent. And so that year I hit 81, which really was an equal split of sellers and buyers. And if you think in terms of 40 buyers, that's a lot for one person. Yeah. And on top of do you know, working another 41 listings, so, so my focus when we brought on my daughter, Brittany, she was my first buyer's agent really was to funnel some of those buyers to her. And then that way I could focus more on the listings because we knew the listing business was really starting to grow. Um, and so since then, that's really my main focus. I work 99% of the listings for the team and the team members or buyer's agents work 1% of the listings. And of course they do 99% of the buyers. So I've, I've scaled back my buyer representation personally to probably no more than about 30 a year. Um, and, and that's just kind of my going on 16 yeah. years, <laughs> what I've earned. So well, I, I would add her role. She forgets is she, she does a lot more helping now though, because a lot more questions are generated from the buyers on our own team or even in our group or, you know, our, our ESP group down group. They, uh, she is a broker, but not the broker, but she gets a lot of questions like she is the broker. So she spends a lot of time helping them as well. And that's part of what we took on. So she's, I would say she has gone more of into a leadership role. I mean, she still does the listings obviously, but you know, we have listing coordinator help there and you know, we have a bunch of other staff to do all the marketing and everything like that. So really she focuses on negotiation on those more than anything else. 
and um, and then a leadership position of because she's done so many deals that I would say there's almost very rarely does a situation come up that she has not run into and so she can help them with those situations and tell them what they need to do whether they're on our team or are down either way yeah that's awesome I'm not surprised to hear that too like you've built um, such a great community there, you know, in your, in your group, your downline is one thing, uh, but your team as well as just what I, what I've noticed, um, just the agents around you period in the city. Um, it seems like you, you guys have built a great reputation and, um, I would, I would agree just from knowing you as, as little as I have over the last year, um, you know, reaching into to a more of a leadership role seems like something you've taken on for sure uh, as your business continue to grow, which which isn't always the easiest thing to do. You may like, you just said like, I, you know, I'm not doing more than like maybe 30 buyers. Like I know people that can't do 30 buyers if their life depends on it in a year. <laughs> I mean, much less all of the other listings that go along with it and all the other things you have your hands in. Yeah, um, that's so, stepping down for her. She just, <laughs> whoo, this 30 buyers. Okay. She just wanted to work like part time or something, you know, so <laughs> it's only 30. That's awesome. Well, let me guys, let me ask you guys this because we're coming up on time. Like as we approach 2020 and I'm just going to call it like the future right, of real estate, things are changing in our industry. What are, you, what are you most excited about going into 2020 and beyond? Oh my gosh, I'll let you start that one because I, I don't know, it, does, it takes a lot to get me excited now. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Well, I mean, I don't want to make, you know, make this into like an EXP pitch, but we're, we're very excited about the direction we're going with that. And you know how that of is course. too. Um, you know, we're, we've, we have a lot of, we have anxiety though. I mean, Last year, all the iBuyers showed up. Redfin increased their marketing ridiculous. So we've had to be dealing with them and competing with them. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited by the, that I'm seeing adjustments being made by not, not just what we do on our own team, and we have an iBuyer in our group for that matter, but just what other brokerages are doing to counter those. And, you know, that way, everybody, there's enough food for everyone. And so I'm excited to see that those things are happening. Affiliated services are happening because let's face it, the margins are getting smaller. Commissions are being driven down. So the only way to really uh, survive is to make a little bit on every part of the transaction as much as you can. And I'm excited to see where those opportunities are coming. You know, a lot of them have come because of our own group, but other relationships we've formed too. So I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, it's not, uh, the glory days, I don't think, um, but just it's changing so rapidly. So it's just, uh, we live in exciting times in real estate, that's for sure. I mean, you guys know you've been ground zero for iBuyers for years now. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time and there's going to be some definite changes, but I'm excited about aligning us with people like yourselves and Fred and, you know, and the Franklins and stuff to make it through and prosper. The collaboration certainly for 2020 as our group grows. And of course we have you guys and, and the Franklin team. And so as our group grows, we collaborate with those agents and help them grow their business. And so that's the exciting part is, you know, ultimately do I want to step back even further from real estate? Absolutely. But you know, that's, that's a 10 year plan for me. And so for now, you know, I, I do that leadership role for our, downline so to speak and uh and still help people sell so but i think the collaboration is the is the best aspect because we're growing so much so yeah i mean you've seen we're, we've grown so fast and just what has it been now 10 months um 56 
people in there. Um, the hopefully the goal is not a 10 year plan, five, maybe, <laughs> maybe five, um, you know, where I'll let, I'll let you guys discuss that offline amongst yourselves to, to yeah, figure I'll out what that actual number is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hopefully where these other things are offsetting so that the team can prosper too, and she doesn't have to do everything. So I, I'm excited actually for that opportunity now, because we started that a year ago where we said, you know what, we can't just have her do 130 deals a year. It's too much for her. It's burnout. And we can add, we can give some of those to the agents. It's just with some of the lead gen, like I told you, the margins were so thin, we could never afford to do it. And now we're finally getting into a position where we have other alternatives so that she can step back and that business can now go to the team and we can grow the team that way. And, and so everybody wins in that scenario. So I'm excited about that opportunity. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, you mentioned something there, Chris, that I, I wholeheartedly believe in. Um, Fred and I spent a lot of time, a lot of our time talking about it and thinking about is, um, you know, I think margins are, are just getting thinner and thinner. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't believe we're ever going away as, as you know, realtors right. um, completely. But I do think we're going to have to, we have to find different streams to build, our, to keep our businesses and our income levels where we want them. And especially if we want them to continue to grow. And, you know, it's forced us to do different things too. I mean, gosh, we, we spent the last five, six years avoiding buying property because we were just so focused on building the team. And now we're focused on, okay, no, we actually, we need to go buy flips and rentals going into 2020. Like that is a big part of our business plan too. And I'm just using that as one example because I've got to have these other income streams to keep my business growing and to be, to be able to match my goals. Right. And uh, I love that you guys are talking like, you know, talking like that as well. And all this disruption stuff doesn't mean that we can't reach our goals. It means we just have to think about it differently. Exactly. I mean, we did the same thing with our iBuyer. We're doing deals with him. I mean, I'm probably not going to go out and flip, but because he's got all the crew, but we can work with him and everybody can win in that scenario. Rentals is another one. Vacation rentals are big for us here that we right. want to get into and do just to have other things. And then without getting into any detail, the automation that we did is also so we don't have to have a big team and we yeah. can keep the staff small and keep an A team. It's hard to find a big team of really good people. And then you have to keep a certain level going to keep them all employed. Whereas if I can automate some of those, I can have a smaller type of team that can survive better if things do get, get tough. So um, I'm excited about that as well, as you know, from our discussions. So lots of things going on. Lots of things. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So um, any last parting shots, anything that we should make sure we talk about before we wrap up today? Uh, flip-flops? Do you want to talk about flip-flops? Oh, no. We, don't talk about we love flip-flops here all year round. Just going to tell you that. You know, I wear them all year round. Are you still uh, wearing your shoes? That's what I wanted to know. Are you yeah. wearing real shoes still? I, I, I'm so ashamed to admit it. I am. Um, I, I'll make sure I'm back in flip-flops by the time we come out to Houston in February or maybe yeah. it's March. I'll make sure that I'm like my feet will not be covered. Like I, I refuse there to do this go. for too long. I can't act like an adult for this long. It's really, really it's cramping fun. my style. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not fun. Uh, only, thing I, only parting word I can think of just for the, the people listening out there, you know, everybody is different. Everybody's market is different. You know, we know people that in like Scottsdale who do advertising in the newspaper because of the demographic there. You know, we do a certain kind of marketing here. We don't do certain things like Chase Biswell's and Expired. So we, you know, we just, everybody's different. So I guess not, not so much maybe find your niche, but find – Find what works for your area and also play to your strengths. We yeah. did things because 
of my background that we were able to do that others couldn't do. So that's what you have to do as a realtor is that what am I good at? What can I leverage? Maybe I'm very creative. Maybe I can do uh, photography on my own and you can save money there, whatever it might be. Video production, that's another big one that uh, people can do that um, can really prosper. So that's just what you have to do and, and find out what, what it is that you can leverage to, to make you successful that others really can't do easily. Um, if you've got money, that's even better because money is the big discriminator there. <laughs> yeah. um, it can overcome a lot if you, you got it to spend. So um, if you're starting out in a new city, you're probably going to have to spend money to boost yourself up because that's what we had to do. And, Absolutely. You know, fortunately, we had my NASA job at the time that allowed us to do that. Um, not everybody has that. So, but you know, everybody's different. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, you just reminded me of a quote from there's a entrepreneurial coach, Dan Sullivan, who says to you, if you have a problem and you have enough money to solve the problem, then you don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly right. right. That's Write right. the check, solve the problem and move on and keep building the business. So yeah, that's not a problem. That's just a daily activity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, Monica, Chris, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it today. Where's the best place for our listeners to catch up with you on whether that be social media or a, a website or anything like that? Uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you, maybe even for a referral in Houston, uh, it, what would be the best way for people to reach you? Probably just visit our website, which is realtybymonica.com. And if you are on Facebook, it's the Monica Foster Team Homes and Lifestyles. Actually, no, the Monica Foster Team Homes and Lifestyles is our page. You can reach us through that too. But the website has everything you need. So that's the easiest way. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we link that in the show notes, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, if I don't talk to you before, then have an amazing Christmas and New Year. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank All you. Right, you thanks, too. Kevin. All right, guys. Bye-bye. All right, bye. bye. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor. If you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at. Leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.